So you want to talk about Aaron? Franklin came out to challenge and knock down the shot. A shot stopper and show stopper, Aaron does it all. So they have had a real hard time solving Aaron Franklin. The backbone of the Huskies defense. The shot and a save by Frankel! She's an opponent's worst nightmare and a force to be reckoned with. You see some of these highlight reel saves by Frankel and she not only reads the puck well, but she fights and doesn't give anything. Look at the club saved by Frankel on Watts! 175 minutes was the last time they allowed a goal. is the best goaltender in the country. All right, this week we're joined with Aaron Frankel, the goalie from Northeastern, uh, who's entering her senior year in what is, I don't know, how would you describe a season? COVID year? COVID three and a half year? Like, it's already a fourth year, because it's half year. Yeah. Anyway, so she's yeah. entering this year. <laughs> she's played two games already. Yeah. Uh, what did you shut up, BC, in the first game? Uh, no, we, we won, um, what's the score? Four to one. Four one. And then the second game was what? Two one loss. Two one loss. Yep. Yeah. It's not bad for not playing a game for what? 10 months. Yeah. We kind of had to knock the rust off. We had a, we had a good game, um, on Friday, the first game, that four to one win. But I think Sunday we kind of forgot what it, what it took to be consistent and I think BC kind of had our number and they came out flying so it was a close game still I, I thought we were going to come back at the end but it was a little too little too late but when was the last time you played a game before that like the first series last like, what, wait who was that against the last one um it was hockey east playoffs um we beat Maine or and then we beat UConn in the championship and then you were going to play was it Princeton yeah we, yeah. Were, we were supposed to play Princeton and that game was scheduled, right? And then it just got canceled before you went, like, that weekend? Yeah, it got canceled actually, like, two days before the game. We were expected to play them at home. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, so that was in, what, March? And then you left campus, what, straight after? Straight as soon as COVID hit, like, you guys have to leave. Yeah, like, people started trickling out, like, basically after we got that news. Um, regular students were probably already heading home, but the athletes, I think, kind of stuck around a little bit to see what was going to happen with their seasons. But as you know, basically everything got canceled, so it didn't take long, probably a week, until campus was, like, basically empty. Yeah, and you came back to your home, which is, like, how is Westchester, New York, right? Like, where you live? Yeah, Brockton yeah. Manor. And then, so for all the listeners out there, then I, Aaron hopped on the ice with me. When were you on the ice? It was now April. We fast forward a lot yeah. more, and then, she, and then we just she just trained like a savage for the next six months, no days yeah. off, and uh, yeah, and we had a lot of fun time. So, um, so yeah, so let's talk about let's kind of start really about you know obviously we touched about how this season's going with COVID and everything else, but you went to school pretty much on schedule, right? Didn't you? When did you go into school? You went like just the middle of September. Yeah, uh, we came, like, I think it was two weeks late, but I got to school, I think, um, like, September 4th or 5th, and we didn't have practice um, right away. I was kind of finding ice on my own, and um, the university wasn't going to let us skate at Matthews until um, the end of the month, and it kind of kept getting pushed back. But I think we finally got on the ice, like, the first or second week of October for, for practice, but we started in small groups. Yeah, that's not a bad thing, though, like in comparison to other schools, right? Like, not practicing at all, not even having a season. Like, you could be at, you know, an Ivy right now and, and uh, not doing anything at all. But I think with uh, having that time off, I'm sure, because you trained a lot in the summer. Like, yeah. was this like, did you train more this summer than any other summer, or was it like a typical summer for you? Um, I'd say I probably trained a bit more. Um, it was kind of hard to find ice, obviously, at certain times, and like, um, hard to get into the gym when things were closed down but I think um, just kind of knowing that like I was going to get back to school and hopefully get right back into it um, I kind of had that back in the back of my mind and I obviously have a lot of goals for the season so I think I I probably trained if not the same if not more this summer 
Um, but yeah, it was a little difficult with less um, opportunities to get in the gym and on the ice, but I think I made, made do with what I had. Yeah. And then, so you go back to school. So you have like this two week, three week kind of period where you're just, you're on the ice a little bit, but not much. And then you jump back into it. So like pods and small groups. And I know Northeastern are testing what twice or three times a week. Uh, yeah. So all Northeastern students are required to get tested um, every three days, but the hockey's league itself has said that they want um, all the teams participating to get tested three times a week. So if we have a game on Saturday, we're required to get tested Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So we have those three negative tests in before the game. So all teams are kind of on the same standard for that. Yeah. I think that's like, it's, it's pretty mature as well from like your freshman class, anyone coming in to be able to with, you know, refrain from doing anything that would be a normal college year. And yeah. also I'm sure as a team, like you guys are able to, concentrate just on playing and competing right and without too many distractions this year yeah there's obviously an emphasis on people being careful and uh, making good decisions like um, coach Flynn's not going to tell people they can't go home for Christmas or see their families but um, the reality of it was this year a lot of people couldn't and I think that came with the risk of like flying and um, coming into contact with extended families so I know a lot of people had their families come to Boston this year for the holidays um, and like the people that live close could drive, but it's all about just making good decisions as it, it affects our whole team. Um, as we've seen, our games have, some of them gotten postponed just because of maybe one case, but it really is a snowball effect. So we all need to be careful. And I think our team's done a really good job using good judgment um, and trying to stay healthy for each other. Well, yeah. And I think like last year, you guys were like probably the first year on the cusp of challenging for the national championship, right? Like that's probably the closest and the way your team was playing to be able to like have a real just like a real shot at get winning the national championship. So it must suck to like be there. But I think this year your goal must be if there is a national championship to win it, right? Yeah, I think we definitely came back hungry this year. Obviously that opportunity last year was taken away from us and all the other teams that were set to play in the NCAA tournament. Um, but I think like everyone kind of has a chip on their shoulder. We talk about it all the time. People are just excited to play games and the games that we do get to play, which has been limited so far. I think everyone's just grateful for the opportunity to play. And I think um, that's part of our like team identity this year. And I think hopefully moving forward, we won't take any games for granted because yeah, the national championship is our ultimate goal. Do you like, you said team identity, do you have like a, like, you know how teams have like training camp and they have like a certain word, right? Like New York Rangers will have like brotherhood or something going into a playoffs. That's their word. Does the like Northeastern have like a, like a phrase or a word or something that like Flint or Carps or someone saying day in and day out that kind of defines your team culture? Um, it's, it doesn't really come from the coaches, but we actually have four words that um, we generated this year as a team. Um, they're like kind of all over on our shirts and stuff like that. And those are, humble hungry grateful and relentless so like every day after practice uh we have a cape that that's get, gets given out and gets passed from player to player and um you pass it to the next person so say i had it and i give it to tessa ward the next day i say which one of the four words she embodied in practice and you like sign it um so i think those are the four words that we thought uh, really resonated with our team this year and we tried to make them unique and it took a little bit to kind of feel out the freshman class and see like what they were going to bring to the table. But I think we did a good job um, kind of finding our identity in those forwards. So like this year, this is the first year you've been assistant captain, right? Or a leadership role, right? Yeah. Um, so typically goalies aren't in a traditional hockey team aren't really assistant captains. Right. But I think in so many ways that you, you display all those leadership qualities that I'm sure like your coaching staff have, have seen in you to award your assistant captaincy where do those like the do you come up as a group like as a team or is it like the leadership group defining what you want the direction of the team to go in or is it kind of like you have a conversation amongst other players in the team yeah so the way we did it this year which um was kind of since we weren't all in the same locker room at first and we're still not for practices it was kind of hard to get like a good grasp on um the team identity whereas in october november in a normal year you kind of know everyone really well and like you kind of have a sense um as to the vibe of the team, but this year was a little bit more difficult. So we met as captains and we talked about what we thought, um, but we ultimately opened it up to all the upperclassmen. So all the juniors and seniors we met um, and we just said, we want to come up with words that um, represent this team. And we had people 
um, generate a pretty big list to start off. And then um, we took a vote on the ones that resonated most with the upperclassmen. I think that was a list of like six. And then um, we brought it to the underclassmen. And um, that's how we got to those four. Nice. So like, so this year is this year, like whatever will be, will be, right? Like it's just, it's kind of the fate of your games and your schedule isn't really in your hands. It's in the hands of whatever. It's, it's kind of, if the stars align, the game goes ahead. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And it's nothing you can really control. So like, how have you personally approached this year? Because this year, like, I know we've talked a lot, like off this and in general about 13 months from now, what could be um, for yourself personally. And then, so do you have your own personal goals for this season? Because you're coming off the back of like, by the way, your elite prospects doesn't have a picture. You want to fix that. Send a little email to that and get like a yeah, can you ticket. Yeah, can you submit one for me? Yeah, I'll submit one from you getting sniped by Stark one day. Oh, no, no. Yeah. No. Um, a big day, please. <laughs> yeah, so like last year, what were you? You were nine, nine, five, eight. So you got better than on your sophomore year. And like you're one goal, 1.07 goals against average, right? Which is pretty good. Like you haven't been over a two and since probably the Westchester Viper days, right? When you're playing boys hockey at double A in 2013, 14. Um, so like, what is your personal goal this year? Like you just came off the back of going to the women's camp as well, the national team camp back in, when was that, October or November? Uh, we had camp in December. Oh, wow. seems like it was like November, but I guess it yeah. wasn't that long ago. It was like three weeks ago. Um, so you're just coming back of that. So what's your personal goal for this year? Like it's your goal to like is there areas of your game that you want to improve on is there something that you really want to focus on something that you found is there a new thing for you is there something that works really well and you just want to keep like holding that in or is it like all right i want to work my weaknesses this year or, or i'm just gonna this is my strength and i'm just gonna really dive into my strength more um i would say it's definitely a little bit of both um going off what you said before it's kind of an untraditional year um and it's kind of hard to keep yourself on track and moving forward but i think the biggest thing for me um, to reach my personal goals is going to be, like you said, to work on some of my weaknesses and some of the feedback that I've gotten from USA Hockey. Um, but yeah, also focusing in on my strengths. And I think that's when I'm at my best is when I'm playing my strengths. And um, a big thing for me the past couple of years has been learning to play consistently at like the national team level. Obviously, I've had not that many experiences at that level. But when I go to these camps, um, it's very apparent to me that the players are more patient and they move the puck faster. And um, they they make quicker decisions. So I think for me, it's going to be patience. And I've been trying to work on that in practice this year with my team here, um, just being patient. And one of my strengths, I would say, is reading plays. But sometimes I get a little bit um, – I over-anticipate, and then I end up moving too soon. And I think just to simplify my game and um, make my movements more efficient is something I've probably been working on for the past two years. Um, and I think – I've gotten better at it but ultimately to be at that national team level I need to play that way all the time and I I can't have a couple games where um, I'm over anticipating and stuff like that because ultimately at that level with the players being as smart as they are it will cost me so like with not having not having any games right and and not being able to play as much and even when you get to the national team level like there isn't many games in the regular season as it is so how seriously do you take practice I would say very seriously. I try to get better every day um, when I'm on the ice and I work with Coach Flint um, every Wednesday in like a goalie skate um, with myself and two other goalies. And he's constantly coming over to me in practice and telling me stuff that he sees. And it's because I welcome that feedback from him. And I always tell him um, to let me know right away if there's something that he sees that I can improve on. And having him here at Northeastern has been a really great resource for me. Um, and I've definitely taken advantage of that, uh, going over film with him after every weekend of games um, my past few years here. Um, but yeah, showing up to the rink every day for practice and just having that mindset that I want to get better. Yeah, so like what's the biggest thing that I see from you, Aaron, is like whenever you're on the ice, no one, like you don't want anyone to score against you, right? Regardless, like every yeah. rep. And it's like even when there's a rebound or it's a two-on-one, it's almost like, you know, when we do, someone does a drill and it's a two-on-one warm-up and it's just like the classic pre-game skate warm-up, you know, two-on-one, D just, doesn't even, just lets them take the shot or make a pass and the goalie doesn't move, like you'll move. You know, you don't want to give yeah, up that. I, I really like being scored on. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it just makes me mad. And <laughs> I obviously never want to let any goals in. And you would think that every goalie is that way, but I think um, – 
there's a difference between like actually really hating it and getting on the ice every day with that mindset that's like I'm not letting anyone score on me and just being like yeah I'm supposed to keep the puck out of the net I feel like it's kind of a different gear and I think a lot of um, division one goalies probably have that but it's just having that consistently every day like you can't come to the rink in four days a week you want to be tough at um, on pucks and stuff like that and play out all the rebounds I try to do that every day but where did you develop that like so let's just backtrack more and just go through like your whole hockey journey right so you start playing hockey at what age um I was probably like seven I want to say and what did you already skate before you played like were you doing like skating lessons yeah I think I was doing learn to skate around five or six and where's this at WSA yeah wow the, the OG Westchester Skating Academy in yeah, Allison, yeah. New York <laughs> all right where dreams are born um so you start doing that and then you join the uh, I guess the house league program or like travel team yeah I joined the house league um probably when I was like six seven around that age I was a mite um and I was I started my first year just skating out and then I think the following year I wanted to be a goalie and from there on I was a goalie were you like one of those like mite house league kids that was even though I went player stuff were you going in goal and just like standing there I mean, yeah, I think I wanted to be a goalie at first, but no one really took me seriously. And my parents didn't want the expensive equipment or the injuries is what they thought. But um, they couldn't keep me out of the net very long. I think I wanted to be there and they knew that. So they they ultimately had to give in. So so you start being a goalie at like eight, right? Nine? I would say, yeah, eight. And then what was your time between like being a nine-year-old to being a let's say a year before you got a shot up, like what was that time? Like you played boys hockey. Yeah. I was like obsessed with hockey. I, I was at the rink every single day with Anthony Stark and we, we didn't miss a skate, whether it was a public session, just skating around the rink in circles or a stick time when he was shooting on me or he had a lesson. I was in the net. I had a lesson. He was shooting. Like we were probably at the rink every day from like eight to one and then came back at night at seven o'clock for Vipers practice. So um, those were summer days. And then during the year, it was right after school, getting dropped off at the rink and doing two practices. We both played on the 99 team and the 98 team. We had back-to-back practices most most nights, and we were just kind of obsessed with hockey. Um, and those were all my Viper years. So, like, what did you do? Like, did you do, like, lesson every day? Or is it just something that you just – just being on the ice so much, it just gave you a good foundation and you were just having fun with it? Yeah, it was it was just so fun to be around the rink. It never felt forced. I was just having fun with my friends. And I feel like um, the people I've met through hockey have been some of my greatest friends. And um, it was never really like lessons every day or anything like that. I'd say when I was probably doing the most lessons, it was once a week. And um, it was always just fun. I was never looking for like some top notch coach or traveling across the state to skate with anyone in particular. But I think um, something that was emphasized towards me at such a young age was just my skating ability and um in wsa i worked with a goalie coach um and he just basically would have me skate a lot and i didn't love it at first but i think i'm thankful for it now is um i do think my skating is uh one of my strengths um but yeah i think it just was my competitive edge that kept me going and i never wanted to be scored on um throughout those viper years even playing with the boys yeah so like describe like obviously did you ever play any like girl spring things or anything like or were you just like just boys, boys, boys until you went to Shattuck? Yeah, um, I was asked to do like a few girls' spring tournaments and I, I would, um, if uh, people needed a goalie to fill in, I was always willing to as it was just more hockey and I wanted to play. And if my parents would drive me to Marlboro or whatever it was, I would go. Um, I played in Beantown, um, the girls' tournament, basically. Wait, what, what did your parents think of all this? Like, were your parents like, is your mom and dad like hockey people or are they just like? Neither of them played, but they were always super supportive of me. My, my cousins on my mom's side played, and um, I think we had seen them play a couple times. I'm not sure if that's exactly what sparked my interest. It, it might have been. Uh, my brother picked up hockey after me, but my parents were just constantly supportive of me, and um, they were really willing to drive any distance or honestly fly to some tournaments to make me happy. And I think uh, watching me grow as a player was something that uh, made them happy and proud. And to this day, they, they don't miss a game. Obviously, up until this year, they can't be in person, but they're watching them all. I know that. Yeah. So, like, then you go to Shattuck in 2014. So, you're going there as a sophomore? Yep. Sophomore. Right? 
So did you, how did that happen? Did you get recruited or did you apply? Like what, what was the process in going to, and why would you, obviously everyone knows Shattuck, right? I'm sure you research best schools to go to back then. And that like, oh, this looks good. It comes up. Yeah. Um, you know, what was your goal? Like, was your goal, did you have any idea where you were in the, like in the level or depth chart or like goalies in the 99 birth year? Like, were you um, looking at like, oh, I'm, I'm one of the top goalies or were you like, I have no idea where I stand. I just want to go to school. Honestly, had no idea where, where I stood um, other than knowing that I was not regarded as one of the top goalies. And I think um, at times that was frustrating to me, but I never really um, focused too much on it. Like you said. Did anyone tell you why? Like, did anyone, did you ever ask the question like, hey, why am I not like, was it because you weren't getting the invites to like the district camps or whatever, maybe? It was always kind of kind of hard to get feedback. Um, I, I did try out um, at WSA was where district camps were um, conducted and, and I always made it to state camp, which was kind of the next step. Um, yeah. We'd have a camp in upstate New York, which was all of the New York girls that were selected, but I struggled to make national camp. I went, I would say two years, I didn't make it. And looking back on it, that was what they thought was like the top 18 goalies. And I wasn't regarded as one of them um, for my age group. So that was obviously frustrating as I was working very hard and um, playing with the boys and um, doing well. Our team was winning, our team went to States, but it wasn't till I think it was maybe when I was 15 or 16 that I started making national camp. I think I only went twice, but um, then I aged out, but that was finally when I started getting noticed a little bit and was invited to those camps. But um, going back to what you said about Shaq. Wait, actually, wait, hang on. How many girls from the New York State camp at 99 birth year are playing Division One hockey right now? Um, there's there's two that I or and two how many girls at the camps. There's two 99s that I can think of in two 2000s. And there's and there's what there's like 50 girls at the camp, right? At state camp. Yeah, there's like 50. It was like three teams or something, right? It's only like 60. Yeah, there's probably like eight goalies there yeah so like the numbers alone is just like kind of frightening right yeah <laughs> you could say that yeah so like go about sorry go back to Shattuck so then you like so obviously people like doubt you right and you have like you talked about earlier on you have like chip on your shoulder and I think that's how you play right like you don't want to get scored on and you kind of like you just have that like innate desire so how do you go to Shattuck so I was working with um, a goalie coach out of Bridgeport, Connecticut, um, and it was kind of a struggle for me um, to figure out what path it was going to take because obviously I, I had Division One hockey um, at the back of my mind. I always wanted to play in college, and um, me being as competitive as I am, I never want I wanted to play at the highest level. Um, but I, I did know of Shattuck, but um, I didn't really consider it as a realistic option for myself as it was halfway across the country. Country. I didn't know anyone there. Um, I had never talked to any coaches there, but it was my coach in Connecticut, my goalie coach, who told me that it might be a good option for me as there's no New York State girls high school hockey and the boys high school hockey's. It's not the strongest and it's really hard for a girl to get noticed. And the New England prep schools to me didn't, didn't play as many games as I would like to. And it kind of always went back to where can I play the most hockey? <laughs> so he reached out to Shattuck for me and they, they were looking for a goalie um for my year and I think they they looked into me and saw I was playing with the boys still and I think that's something that caught their eye and um they took a chance on me and I went there and I was really happy spent three years there and loved the coaching staff loved all my friends there and I think it was a really great decision for me to play the most hockey and um to expose myself to college coaches well yeah I'm just looking at the roster now so you play with Murph right who's now on your team this year she put yeah. up in your last year, she put up 91 points, just a complete machine. Yeah. Maddie Mills is there, right? Yep. So she's a Cornell kid. Like, she put up massive points as well. And now she's what? She's a captain of Cornell. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, your team was kind of stacked. Yeah. And people always ask me um, how I felt about getting 10, 15 shots a game. And um, they've asked me how that um, kind of was a little bit of a struggle considering I – coaches would come to see me play and they wouldn't really have much an opinion about me as they would see me maybe get a shutout on 10 to 15 shots. But to me, I'm, I'm always kind of speaking to the talent that I practice with. And I think that is something that made me so much better. And two of the names you just said, Maddie Mills and, and Murph are like two of the most competitive people I know. And I think that 
that team at Shattuck, um, honestly, all the years I was at Shattuck, those teams had like some of the most competitive people and um, people that just wanted to get better every day. So I think it came from practicing with those girls every day that, that made me so much better. Yeah. So like, obviously you, you don't want to get scored on in practice, which we all know, right? Like, and everything else. So the, the daily habits that you formed at Shattuck playing against these top players. So you, would you say like practice some of those outweighs playing games? Yeah. I mean, obviously nothing really compares to um, playing games other than, than the opportunity to play. But I definitely think that my skills, my skating, seeing good shots was something that I can definitely credit to practicing. And yeah. we practice every day, worked out basically every day. Yeah. So like, it's always different. Like, so I remember when I was young goalies coming up in England and they would go and play on a worse team. So they get more shots in a game. Yeah. I think that in the environment that we grew up over there, there wasn't like goalie training. There wasn't like any of those things. So like that was the only opportunity for them. You're only on the ice twice a week. So like the more shots you can get in a game, especially if you're on goalie, the more exposure you have and everything else. But if you're already on a team that you're getting those shots every single day in practice, right? Like you're going to get better and better and better. And just, and you're going to yeah. see like the nuances and the habits that they have and everything like that. So that's definitely, so you, so you go to Shattuck and were you recruited there? Were you officially recruited or did you like apply? Um, I think I, w- I was recruited, but I, I did apply to Shattuck, but I was recruited kind of through my goalie coach. I had that little connection that I think um, helped me out a little bit. But once I talked to Coach Stafford and um, Ben Omhafer, who was on the men's side of, of stuff there, um, once I talked to them, they wanted they were excited to get me on campus for a visit. And once I was there, when you go to Shattuck and you visit, you skate with the team. So I, I practiced with the team on my visit, and it was just a place I knew I wanted to be. And I think I felt really at home there although although it was far away I, I thought that a lot of the players kind of had the same goals and interests as me and I, I thought it'd be somewhere where I would fit in. Were you nervous game with the team then? Yeah I was especially nervous because I, I remember I was I was like what 14 15 years old and um, normally you would skate with the U16 team but I remember they were on the road that weekend so I actually had to skate with the prep team and <laughs> they actually had a goalie out for that practice so I had like a net to myself and was getting a ton of shots. Who was the best player? Like, who like, would have already been, what, three years, so seniors, the girls who are now potentially on the U.S. team, right? Yeah, it's kind of hard to remember who was all out there. I remember the other goalie was Megan Dubois, and I thought she was really good. She ended up going to Colgate. Um, but I don't exactly remember the players on the ice. It's kind of a blur to me. Wait, so you got, like, Sam Escavich, right? She was there? Yeah, she might have been on the prep, but she also might have been a U16 at that time. Wait, Catherine Hughes, a Harvard girl. She was there in 2014 on the prep school. Great yeah. for elite dog prospects. So you go and look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like you go to Shattuck and then who, wait, who applied first? You or Stark? Oh, I, I was applied and accepted before he even applied. So he followed you. All right. I'm glad we figured that one out. Yeah. He followed me there. Um, <laughs> I think we had kind of just grown up playing hockey together for so long and we had definitely like seeked other opportunities. We thought about going to the Westchester Express and playing together and um, we were going to go there together. And because um, I was a tier one team, we thought maybe it'd be a little bit of a step up from the Vipers, although we love playing at the Vipers. And then I remember telling him I was going to go to Shattuck and it was like a, a no brainer for my family but to send me doing- who was trying to drive in the bus? Were you, were you driving the bus there or was like, was this your parents? Like, were you doing all the research? Were you contacting them or was it? A little bit of both. I would say my dad definitely helped me um, sort things out, like the logistics and stuff like that. And I think my mom kind of was sad. She, she probably didn't expect for me to go away from home so fast, not until college. But yeah. I think she realized like it was definitely the best for my development and it was the right decision. So um, she let me go. Yeah, because it's definitely something that, like, I think a lot of players, like, their parents do a lot of the research for them, right? And they do a lot of the kind of, like, doing everything for them, and the player just kind of shows up just, like, without doing their own homework and not really wanting to be anywhere. So I think that's definitely something that, like, just your passion for the game of hockey itself and, like, exploring your own opportunities and what is really out there for you. Like, you did that. You had you had your own intuition to go off and, and seek those things out. Like, you always wanted to be at the ring. It wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't like your mom and dad, like signing you up for every camp. No. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. I'm today, because that's just what you did. Yeah, there were definitely some players I was around at like a young age that like, you could tell they weren't that enthused to be at the rink. But I think for me and Stark, it was always just so much 
fun and we wanted to be there. And I think it was to the point where parents were like, really, you're going to the ring today. It's a Sunday, like stuff like that. But we just wanted to be there. And yeah, like you said, it was just like the desire to be there and having fun on the ice all the time is what probably drove us both to get better. So what do you think that, like, what do you attribute that to? Like, what do you, what do you think is like that drew you into playing hockey and what do you, think where do you get like your work ethic and your drive from like is it something that you instilled from being in like an environment that you were in or is it something that you just always had or like do you have any idea <laughs> like that's the other way to say it, right I mean I don't think I can be certain on that but I think if I had to guess I would say I've always just been a very competitive person and I think that has probably come from playing with the boys I think a lot of girls that have played with the boys like they say that like they're just so competitive and they always were the underdogs they were playing on a boys team everyone probably looked at them saying this girl's not going to be as good she can't hold her own stuff like that and I had to to beat out other boy goalies for the starting spot the Vipers multiple times and like I think that just taught me to to work hard work hard and I always had parents complaining that their son was better their son should be starting and I think it was that adversity that kind of drove me to be like no like I'm better than this kid and I always wanted to prove it on the ice and I think that that's true of a lot of like the girls who who play with the boys right off the bat like I feel like they're they kind of start as already at like a disadvantage the boys that are meant to be there it's like they're going to take a boy's spot on the team and probably piss off some people but I think that that's kind of what drives like the competitive nature at like such a young age but do you ever like you you sound like you're very confident right Aaron like you're you're pretty like you know you're good and regardless of what anyone says you know what your capabilities are like what's the probably the most nervous you've ever been like was there a game like you played obviously against Canada this year or maybe it's the beanpot final or like it seems like you've never failed in a, in a time when you've had to step up to the plate, right? Like every single time, like the North, like when you skated with Shattuck, you stepped up or when you play in the beanpot, you stepped up or when you play against Wisconsin and your first year, you stepped up, right? You got, I think you won like three, two or something. Mm-hmm. So like, what was the most nervous you've ever been? Or do you even get like nervous? I definitely get nervous. I would say I do control my nerves. If I had to, to point out the game that I was most nervous, it definitely would have been um, the game in Canada versus Canada. Um, one, because I wasn't expecting to play it, too, because I, I really had never played at that level before. Um, but I do get nervous for big games, and I even get nervous for games that maybe wouldn't be considered big games. But I think that, like, some nerves is good, and I think – my nerves are just because I put so much pressure on myself to perform at a high level. And like, I just want to be good. I want to show up and I want to give my teammates a chance to win like every single game. So I think that's the pressure that I put on myself that maybe some other people don't, maybe they're like, all right, like I'm going to get 15 shots against this team. They're a weaker opponent. Like we'll probably stomp them. Whereas I, I kind of, I don't know, I can't really rest my head on that. Like I like to show up and be the best that I can. And I think that's how my teammates have grown respect for me. And that's definitely how I've grown respect for my teammates that, show up regardless of the challenge and um, just give it their all. But I definitely do get nervous for games still. Um, definitely Beanpot, one of those, Hockey East. But I'd say every weekend there's there's some degree of nerves. But you're definitely someone that, like, you haven't failed yet, right? Like, you haven't failed yet. Like, I mean, I've mean, had some failures. <laughs> yeah, like, you, you didn't make some mistakes, but you haven't failed. You haven't, like, you haven't been someone where it's been like, wow, she's not ready for this level, right? Like, every time you've just been, like, a kind of a, it's almost like Mario Kart or Smash Brothers, right? That little thing. Uh, like every time you get past a level, you just get to the next level. And yeah. like, and one day there'll be like a boss at the end, right? Or whatever it is at the end of the game on like Sonic the Hedgehog. I yeah. Mean, You're yeah. right about that. I mean, it, 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 there's been adversity. Like I said, I haven't, haven't made those national camps at a young age. And I got cut from um, the U18 team, the U22 team, um, a couple times. It wasn't until my last year eligible for the U22 series that I actually made that series. So I definitely have been cut, um, and different goalies have been taken ahead of me. But I don't think I necessarily like marked those experiences as failures in my head because I think if I had done that, um, then maybe I kind of would have put myself on a different track than I did. And so, what's your ultimate goal? um for this season or just in general like what's your ultimate goal so I don't think you've ever said it out loud I mean I would like to make the Olympic roster and play on the national team like would you like or would you love I would love that (laughs) yeah so like so I think that's something that like whenever I know I've been speaking to you it's like you're very humble right like you don't want to like you don't want limelight but you're someone that's kind of like 
I guess, like a silent assassin, right? And you like to go kind of go under the radar and you just do your work day in, day out, which I think a lot of players, and whenever I've been speaking to goalies and players I work with, I always use it as a kind of a reference and example because I'm always like, you're not, everyone knows you're not technical, right? Like if someone subscribed your play, it's very aggressive. Mm-hmm. Someone who just stops the puck, I don't know how you stop it sometimes. Yeah. You figure it out some way and you get across. Yeah. And I think sometimes like that's, and a lot of goalies, I was having an evaluation meeting with a goalie recently and I was saying to her like, look, like I think sometimes you're in your own head too much, right? You're talking about the angle, you're looking at like, you know, are you doing the RVH or whatever it is? And you're, you're so like obsessing about these things when yeah. you're, like, you're just in the moment when you're playing or whenever you're competing or whenever you're training and like you bring that compete level. So yeah. it's definitely something that like probably makes some mistakes sometimes, right? When like, I'm sure you're talking about how you want to be more patient, mm-hmm. but it's also something that I guess is a big strength for you that a lot of people don't have. And it's something that is definitely going to fuel you to where you want to be. Um, but a lot of players and a lot of like young players and whoever's listening to this podcast, like if you ever just like understand that, like if you just come in day in, day out and just work and compete every single day, you're going to get to where you want to get to. And the stars will kind of align to where you, you should be. Maybe not, maybe you won't get committed in like, when did you commit to Northeastern? The end of my junior year. It was, it was like, I, w- I want to say almost into the summer um, before my senior year. And the rules were different then, right? So they could have committed you whenever they wanted to. Yeah. And so how did I come about? So like, what were you, did you have other offers? Were you actively talking to them? Were you reaching out? Were you sending them, highlight reels of you training in the back you know <laughs> um i never sent i never sent any game footage but um i did reach out to some schools i i did have a few offers but i it i didn't until um pretty late in the game i didn't have any offers my sophomore year it wasn't till mid to end of my junior year that i i got like some serious interest from coaches and i did reach out to some schools but i think um my shadow coach had also told um some coaches just come see your play and um stuff like that and I think a lot of coaches did come see me play. I made a few visits, but um, I I did have my eyes set on Northeastern. Um, they came along kind of late in the game, but I kind of liked how they they were willing to take a chance on me, and they seemed excited about me, and they came to watch me multiple times. And I don't think they were sure of me at first because, like I said, I didn't face um, an overwhelming amount of shots um, in the games that I played. But I think when they did see me, they liked what they saw, and I think um, Coach Stafford at Shattuck kind of, spoke to my character and the kind of person, the kind of player I am. And I think that that went a long way for coach Flint, um, knowing that he was going to get someone that was going to work hard. And I think I'm coachable, which I think a lot of coaches like, and um, I just want to get better. So I think that I've proven that um, I'm something to work with. And every day when coach Flint gives me stuff to work on, like I'm willing to do it. And I think that that's what has made me better. But yeah, it wasn't until the end of my junior year that I committed to Northeastern. I, I did reach out to them as well as coach Stafford. So, like, were you nervous? Well, like, so going well, no, just guy. I guess going through like the whole recruiting process, like, kind of getting junior year. I'm sure a lot of your team were already committed. Yeah. And were you kind of panicking and saying like, uh, did I make the right decision? Like, do I need to be doing more? Like, how were you handling that whole process? And like, because did you win the championship in your junior year or your senior year? Like, or did you? Uh, we won all three years, which was great. So all you do is win, right? <laughs> I try. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so obviously being the, the best team in the country, like, for three years, it's a no-brainer, right? Surely to be, to be a Division One goalie if you're backstopping a national championship team three years in a row. So, like, were you – how were you handling that? Like, were you, like, kind of like, ah, uh, like, you know, were you – just kind of going about your own thing and knowing that like, Hey, it'll work itself out and and things will happen. Or were you kind of like, if I don't get this and I can't do this, like how are you just handling all that that period of time? I would say there were, there were definitely times where I felt a little bit impatient, um, maybe wondering like, what more can I be doing? Like, I want to get noticed. Like, I I think I'm playing well. Are, Are the coaches not liking me? Are they just not reaching out yet? I think there were some times where I was thinking about that stuff, but I, one thing I will say is I don't think that ever um, affected how I played. And I had a really good support system at Shattuck with my friends who had been through the recruiting process ahead of me and Coach Stafford, um, the staff there. 
And even talking to my dad about it was kind of just a waiting game. And I was doing my part and I knew that that was all that I could control. And as I've grown older here and gone through so many like hockey experiences, I've learned that the most important thing is just controlling what I can control. And I think I realized like those moments where I was worrying, like, Oh, did, did coach Flint like what he saw in the stands, like that kind of stuff that was out of my control and like spending any time worrying about that really wasn't going to help me. Um, And I think that learning to kind of, Put the take those thoughts and put them in their place um, just led to me playing better and more consistent. And then, yeah, it ultimately worked out um, when they offered to commit me. So, like, you committed, obviously, in the summer, right, as you said. So when did you do an official visit or was it – did you commit kind of blind? Yeah, I did an official visit with um, a bunch of other girls in my class, and we were all here um, for a night together. So – and then after that official visit where you kind of made up your mind? Yeah, well, I had already been committed um, for the official visit, but for my first visit to campus, I was not committed yet. Um, but I did, I did go around campus. I didn't spend the night though. Um, I think we ate dinner with the coaches and um, just saw like the locker room and um, met a couple girls on the team. And then after that visit is when I committed, and then I came back for my official visit, and that was when I was with a bunch of other girls that had already committed, the ones in my class. And then you just like when did you really decide like how what was the like the biggest point where you're like all right I want to be uh was it a northeastern husky yeah um I think there were a few factors that went into it I knew coach Flint had faith in me and I know he didn't recruit me necessarily as a starting goalie but he had always told me that um I was gonna compete for minutes and obviously I knew I was coming into a team that had strong goaltending with Brit- Brittany Bugalski um had done great stuff for the program her freshman and sophomore year. And then I came in her junior year and she was just an amazing leader. And I think that something that excited me about Northeastern was um, that coach Flint seemed to have faith in me and that um, he didn't say like, you're the backup, like this is your role. He kind of said like, you're going to come in, you're going to compete and you're going to take whatever role we give you and you're going to run with it. And I think that I, I kind of had chip on my shoulder, like you said, coming into college, but I feel like he gave me the opportunity to fight for the chance to play whether where other coaches maybe just saw me as a backup and that was my label and I wouldn't really um, see any game action my freshman year and also the proximity to home for me was was big I didn't want to really go to school in Minnesota for college as I had been away um, for Shattuck already and I wanted my family to be able to come to a lot of my games so that was a big thing for me was uh, being closer to them yeah so like you come in your first year right you win like you have 19 wins as a team the second year was the second year when Mueller comes into the team? Yeah. So then you have 27 wins. Last year, you win 32, right? Out of 38, four losses, and then Thomas canceled. So then, like, so every year you come, the team's got better. What do you think? Like, was that something that you knew was going to happen coming to Northeastern where you like, all right, I'm joining this team. They've got a bunch of girls committed who are really, really good. Like, was that also, like, part of it? Or was it just like, hey, I'm coming to this because this team really believes in me? Uh, no, I really didn't know any of the recruits that were coming in. I didn't know who Alina was. I'm sure she didn't know who I was coming <laughs> in. But like, I knew that it was a program that had like a, a team culture that I could um, identify with. And it was a campus that I liked and a coaching staff that I saw as supportive and hardworking and all that great stuff. But I think it wasn't until I started playing my freshman year and being around these girls every day that I realized it was a special group. And I think that Um, one thing that really turned around this team's record um, to be blunt, like going from being a 500 team to like a a dominant team in hockey East and winning those championships was like our, our leadership. I think it started with our leadership. And I, I think sophomore year was when it really took off. We had like an incredible group um, of captains and uh, those are people that are mentors to me. And I look at them and I think that they're like the, the greatest leaders of all time. And I think that, that they had such a lasting effect on Northeastern that it really transpired on the ice. Like, yes, we did have a lot of skill starting my sophomore year and we get better every year, probably talent wise. But I, I think they created a sense of culture that hadn't been here before. Yeah. So like your first year when you changed basically the within eight months, you go from being a, an okay team to being one of the best teams, which is like a crazy fast turnaround. But like, let's talk about Alina, like for one second. So wait, yeah. she goes to the Olympics before she comes to school yeah. and she puts up 10 points in the Olympics and then comes to school and puts up 51 points. So like, 
again, going back to being in an environment of Shattuck where you're playing against the best players day in, day out, which is really what's, I guess, you know, why you are so good, right? Maybe not necessarily the amount of shots you get in a game, but has Alina made you a better goaltender? Yeah, definitely. I think she's made me a better athlete in general, like the way that she um, just takes care of her body and treats other people around her and how she plays on the ice every day is definitely something that Go, doesn't go unnoticed like she's just such a professional in everything she does and I think that that's something I respect a lot um and she obviously she was an Olympian before she even got to college I think she played her first game when she was like 15 so she's kind of been around it all and she has all this experience and knowledge that um I like to pick her brain well she was a two-time Olympian she went to the Olympics as well in 2013 yeah. <laughs> as a what a 16 year old yeah I think she scored her first Olympic goal she was like 15 or 16 and it's just, it's crazy how much she's experienced, but yeah, like she's definitely made me the player that I am and um, she pushes me to be better every day. So like having her in the group, does that just bring everyone to her level? Like, does everyone just see her and go like, all right, Aline is doing this. It's almost like whenever you hear guys, they like, oh, Crosby skating, we're all skating kind of thing. Um, yeah. I do think, I think she pushes a lot of people to be better. I think she's like one of those captains that leads by example. She doesn't always have a ton of stuff to say, but I think, yeah, like people watch her. They're like, she does this. Like maybe I should do this. Like she's so great for a reason. It's not a coincidence that she got to where she was. And yeah. um, part of it's her work ethic. Obviously she's just extremely talented to begin with, but um, she's very detail oriented and like everything she does, she does with a purpose. And I think that that's something I've taken from her. And I do think a lot of players look to her and, um, they look to her for motivation and for a lot of other things. But yeah, I do think she definitely raises the level of the group as a whole. Yeah. All right. So then that kind of goes into another question I always have, like, who's the best player you've skated with? Like, who's someone where you're just like, this player is just, and it could be anyone. It doesn't have to be someone. It could be someone you played against in college, or it could be someone that you just skate with in general and back in training. And definitely not Stark. I've seen his shot, right? Like, <laughs> No, I wasn't even thinking him, but... I don't know. It's it's a tough question because I've obviously like skated with a bunch of the Olympians at at camps and stuff. Um, which Kendall Coins, an amazing player, Alex Carpenter, all of them are just such amazing players. But I, I honestly think I have to say Alina because I've been around her so much, so I'm probably biased. But um, like I said, everything she does, she just does with a purpose, and she's just such a professional. And um, she doesn't look to score all the goals she's like selling even harder when she makes a pass and someone else scores the goal and I think she's just selfless and um she just wants everyone around her to get better so I think I respect her so much and yeah that's why I'd have to say her so like what do you think is the difference between someone like anyone could say this about you but what's the difference between Alina and someone else what's the difference between Alina and like what makes her different and what makes a Kendall coin different and what do you like observe from them and their traits and like the reason why they're so good? I think just how passionate they are. Um, everything they do is just for a reason and they're very passionate and they're competitive people and they want the people around them to get better. And I think they've had kind of a taste of what it feels to be like at the top of their age group. And I think that like, just the drive to stay there and not let anyone be like, they want to be the best player on the ice at all times. Um, and I just think that's something that drives them to continually get better. They're not complacent people. They're not like, Oh yeah, I can breeze through this practice and still be the best player on the ice. Like Alina's just constantly wanting to get better. I admire how she, she wants people to push her. Like if someone's not going hard on her in a rep, she's mad at that person. Like she wants person, someone to hack at her. She wants them to take the puck from her. Um, she wants that stuff so that she can, she can get better so I think it's like welcoming that challenge is something that like only the best players do so is that where you took your frustrations when people hit them hit the net and like you get mad when <laughs> hit the net is that where you got it from you got it from Alina I I I would say I do become impatient sometimes in practice when people aren't 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 doing some things to maybe the standard <laughs> I would expect to be but <laughs> yeah yeah I definitely experienced that a couple of times firsthand um yeah. but yeah so like what but obviously they have practice right and i think what i'm alluding to here is like do they do things like when they're told to do it or they do things that every single day it's kind of like a routine where like they don't have to be told to foam roll they don't have to be told to stretch it's not programmed it's not like a team thing they just do it like is that kind of how they handle their business like do they it's just kind of like clockwork they wake up they foam roll they stretch they do this thing they 
they watch video, they're studying, they're like, they're always asking questions. They're always in the rink, first one in the rink, last one to leave kind of thing. Yes, definitely. I would say for sure that I think you said it exactly how it is. Like, they're definitely not the people that need to be told to warm up or cool down or take care of their bodies or get an extra skate and stuff like that. Like, I think it's just something that is programmed in their minds. Um, that's like, if you want to be the best, this is what you have to do, not negotiable and they do it. And it's never a bother or something they forget. It's just a routine. And for Alina, she's, she's warming up before every practice. She's cooling down she's taking care of her body. She's doing whatever she, she has to do to get herself ready um, to practice every day and to get something out of it. So I do think that's something that's like, you don't need to be told to do, especially at the college level. Like, I don't think there's no coach that's standing over you telling you to foam roll. There's no coach that's standing over you telling you that you need to do more conditioning. And I think it's the players that see that and choose to make that decision on their own and say they're going to make themselves do that skate or whatever it may be or eat healthy. But it's like the players that know they maybe should do it and they don't do it that fall behind or aren't as great. So why do you think people don't do it? It's not easy. It's not easy to follow a strict routine. Some days you want to lay in bed extra an extra hour. <laughs> Some days you don't feel like foam rolling. Maybe you're sore. Maybe you don't want to do the extra skate. I don't know. It's just it takes a special type of person to stay on a like a very rigid routine and be dedicated to it almost to the point where it's like a lifestyle. And I think maybe some people do it 50% of the time and they're they're good hockey players, but it's like the people that do it 100% of the time that are like up here and um, just set that gold standard for everyone else. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you like to steal it down that way. And like, if everyone did it, they would all be Olympic athletes, right? Like, or, or, or as close to it as possible. And everyone would definitely see like the best version of themselves. So like, but a lot of the stuff is away from the rink, right? What people don't see, like how they conduct themselves. And I think a lot of players, you know, this podcast is called Getting Committed Podcast. So uh, so it's all about players on their journey to playing college and, and that process. But I think a lot of the players think that being on the ice is everything and they've got to be on the ice so much all the time and be doing whatever is available to them. And there's a point of diminishing returns of being on the ice in some ways. And, and I think when you're younger, you can be on the ice so much. Like, like you've seen Chris Pinko, right? The little 10-year-old that we have. Yeah. And he's like, kid's 10 years old. Like he's not going to burn out right now at 10 years old. He can go on the ice as much as he wants. But I think... The biggest difference that I see in the in the top players is the girls who are dedicated to, you know, getting in the weight room and really just owning that and taking treating themselves more like an athlete. And you know, and I always tell people this as well: like a boy may take two hours to grasp the skill concept, where a girl will take forty five minutes, um, just because of their attention to details a little higher, just as they are. So like, you don't need the same amount of hours on the ice to grasp skills. But the time in the weight room, do you think that's a big differentiating factor? Like, do you see those top players like Kendall Coyne? I think I saw like an Instagram video of her just doing like weighted pull-ups or something the other day, just like just smashing it out. Like, do you see that's the difference between like, all right, this girl can shoot the puck hard, but she also, I know she can lift a lot of weight or like this girl, um, she's really like dynamic in such a way. And I've seen her training this way. Mm-hmm. Like, is that something that you believe in or is it something where you're like uh yes kind of kind of not yeah Kendall obviously has like an incredible work ethic almost unmatched but I think that it is a lot about your office um habits and what you do in the weight room obviously it's important once you get to a certain age to work on strength and flexibility and stuff like that um and just being dedicated to that stuff it's not all about being on the ice it's not all about being in the weight room it needs to be a balance Um, And I think a lot of younger players sometimes need a little bit of guidance from trainers and stuff like that. And people that have the knowledge about what you should be doing, especially as a hockey player and um, sport specific workouts and stuff like that. But I do think it's important um, to focus your energy on both aspects of your game. But I I do think it's about um, what you're doing away from the rink that, that makes like the most elite players so great. Yeah. So I, I, I like, I think that's also why, like, if you go to prep school, you're in that kind of program, right. From day one. And yeah. those players, like, if you don't get that, it's really hard to, like, make up with it, especially when you're trying to get committed at, like, a 17, 18-year-old. Um, yeah, I definitely think structure helps. Well, what do you think, like, just in last kind of touching up, like, the state of the women's game with this year and every team that didn't play this year was going to get better overnight, right? Like, if you look at the college game, 
all those scores, like bar maybe Cornell because their team was on campus and some players want to graduate, but the schools like a Princeton who are able to retain players that may have graduated and everything else. What do you think that does for like women's hockey? Cause now you're going to graduate or you could graduate or still play until what? 22. And Alina will be 24. I mean, yeah, we all have another year of eligibility back. So like how old is she now? She's 22 or 21. She's 22. So she's 22 and she's a, junior now so she could be what 20 if she goes to the Olympic Games, she could be 25 and graduating yeah switzerland won't centralize they don't centralize players so she'll still be playing around um but she would just be gone for like i think the month of february but she has another year of eligibility back so she could come back after that year so yeah she'd probably be like 25 when she graduates so what do you think that does for women's hockey um i think it definitely increases the talent in, in the college game. I think um, her staying around, a player like her um, being at this program is obviously a huge piece of the puzzle of their national championship um, and a step closer to that. And I think um, I'm not sure what her plans are when she when she leaves college, but I know she obviously has a long career on the national team back home in Switzerland, and um, she wants to continue with hockey as long as she can. And um, that's just been a part of her life for as long as she can remember, I'm sure. But I, I think that – um, it's unfortunate that the Ivy Leagues can't play this year, but I think that there's a lot of those girls that are really special players, and I think um, that whether they transfer it or they're just going to get back at it next year, I think that um, I think they'll be surprised. I think they will pick up where they left off, and it's unfortunate they couldn't have a season this year. But um, the ones who love the game, which I know is is many of them, they'll get back back to it. Yeah. So, like, well, for you, would you like when you finish playing college hockey, are you looking at like, all right, I want to play in the SDHL? Are you, are you someone that is going to play until your hips fall off? You know, <laughs> um, I haven't really decided on that yet. <laughs> I I kind of I want to take advantage of all the opportunities that I get here at Northeastern, and I, I want to stay in college um, and have my extra year of eligibility um, because it's just such an ideal um, place to be in terms of training. I'm on the ice every day working out with our strength coach you just have all these resources that it seems a little bit harder to pull together once you've graduated i know there's the pwhpa the nwhl and um it's kind of hard like you're you're really in charge of your own training which um that's great if the resources are there but when they're all here in one place in one building for me that's not even a mile away from where i'm living it's just a no-brainer to to take that extra year of college and um, i obviously want to play hockey for for a little bit after i graduate i'm not sure exactly what direction it will take me, but I haven't really decided like what league or um, what I'll do with it. But I think I'll, I'll know more once I am in my final year of eligibility. Do you think like the, the state of the women's game, you could play hockey? Like, do you want to play hockey full time? Like if you had, if, you, if money wasn't an object, would you play hockey as a full time job? Yeah, obviously, if, if there's a, a good league established, I, I would. Um, I don't know how long I would play or um, where that might lead me, but I love hockey. And obviously if, if there was a, a very sustainable league, which I know is in the works, then I, I would love to be a part of it. Yeah. I think like you're someone that you're never going to leave the game of hockey. Like as a person, like you just hockey's runs through you and yeah. one day you'll come back and your coach and your coach will the goalies <laughs> and then have a good time with that. But again, it's like, I think you never played in Europe, right. Or international yet. Oh, uh, no, just Canada. <laughs> so you never play. So, again, like, there is a world of, like, opportunities that await out there. But I think, you know, personally, from what I see from the women's game, like, this COVID pause makes it more competitive, right? So people who are 21s and now 22s and 23s are 24s and whatever else is happening. Mm-hmm. So the competition with places is a lot fierce. So that trickles down to, like, the 19U level becomes stronger because you've got more mature players. It doesn't really make sense when, like, if an athletic peak of a woman may be 22 or 23, why are they graduating at 22 and not playing hockey anymore when, the, you know, they're, they're at their athletic peak? So we should be, like, harnessing that more. So now if you have Alina playing at 24, like, you know, she's put, she played three Olympic Games by the time she graduates. Yeah. Right? Um, she would probably have scored over 200 points at college. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when you think of it and go like wow so now the game now you have a player like that it's kind of like having a superstar and, or other players like that 
And it's like, all right, so now the TV coverage is going to be that because it's such like great, unique stories. Yeah. Um, in five years, the NWHL, five years ago, the NWHL started and look to where it's at now. Like, it could have made faster tracks. Absolutely. The birth of the PWPHA with all the Olympians makes like women's game become, you know, like, again, more eyeballs, more sponsorship, Adidas involved, like the NHL's involved, the NHL skills competition, the free on free. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all happened within the last two years. And now we're talking about like, you could graduate in two years time, where's women's hockey going to be then, right? Especially like, was it the NWHL now have the NBC, right? For the bubble, they're doing the playoffs on the bubble, whatever it is, they're doing like placid. Yeah. Um, the Olympics is going to happen, which is going to be like, was it the last Olympic Games finals, like the most watched, I think the most watched thing of the Olympics, right? The women's US v Canada. Um, you know, so I think when the game of the women's hockey is, it's going to explode. Yeah, that would definitely be nice to see. And like you said, I feel like it's definitely received a, a lot of attention over the past year, um, two years, because I think the talent is there. And I think people are realizing that, um, that the girls are fun to watch too. And I think it's the passion that those elite women players have that has like just drove so many people to, to want to watch them. And um, it means so much to the younger girls. I know to, to see those older girls doing great things and they want to be like them and um, just stuff like that. But I do think that that the the audience is there. I know there's a lot of people that want to watch women's hockey. And I know the the rivalry series that happened in um, California had like a ridiculous amount of- um, They sold out, right? They sold out the NHL. Like they played at, where was it? Was that the Anaheim, right? Yeah, I want to say they had like 13,000, a little bit more than that maybe. But that was awesome to see. If you look at the pictures from that, it's just like completely packed house. And I think um, that's super special. And I feel like, yeah, the game's definitely- taking steps in the right direction. So what do you think, what's the one thing that frustrates you when people to compare the, I don't know, maybe it's not the right thing to say, but the men's game and the women's game, right? Because whenever anyone asks me, I'm like, it's the same game. Like there is hitting, there's just no head hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's contacts, people are physical, uh, you're making smart plays. Like if you look at, who was that pass the other day from BC when she made that source pass back goal, like you saw her on Instagram probably, right? Yeah. Um, like it wasn't against you, it was against who were they play like UNH or Maine or someone. Yeah. Right. Like you look at those and like silky plays, like what's the biggest, I would say, frustration you get and people like maybe they're making an assumption without seeing it. Mm-hmm. And what do you think like uh, people involved in women's hockey need to do to like kind of challenge that stereotype or like get more people involved? Um, I, It's kind of a tough question. I mean, I know people will always challenge like the speed of the game or um, yeah, like you said, the physicality and, or the strength of the players, but um, it's just like the women's Olympics is just such an elite level. And I think once people do watch it, like they're just blown away, blown out of the water completely. But I think it's grabbing those people's attention. Like just watch this game, sit down for two hours and watch this game. And then I think they're kind of sold on it. Um, and I do think that, uh, USA Hockey and like lots of other organizations have been doing a really good job of like trying to promote the women's game, but it's something that needs to be like a continuous effort. Um, but I, I think as soon as fans start to realize that the girls are really, really good too, and um, the women's game is just getting better and better. Like you watch a women's game now versus a women's game 10 years ago, like the game has changed so much. The speed is incredible. Like you said, decision-making. Um, so I guess, yeah, maybe people are arguing that it's not as fast or as exciting to watch, but I think that the people that, that actually take the time to watch the women's game are um, kind of taking back those words after. Yeah. I think like in your credit, like you train with the boys in the summer guys who are NHL draw picks, uh, D1 guys, and they don't score much. So it's not really much comparison, I guess. Right. And there's not really any differences in terms of, you know, what they're, you know, these guys are on top of their game, but then if you're trying to go in the Olympics, it's the same caliber of talent, really, right? And it's um, it's definitely a lot to draw from. But um, all right, so last thing, wrapping up, I guess, like if you had one piece of advice to give to, say, someone who is a 2007 mm-hmm. or like a U14 player, right? Who yeah. in in very real terms, in two years' time, they could have a Division One offer on June, right? When they can get called. 
like what would you say to them like they're a good player let's just say this player is good um you know like they're kind of frustrated and they feel like they have to do a lot of things and they feel like they have to go run around here there and everywhere like yeah. what would be the one piece of advice that you'd give to that kid and like you know and what would you say to them if they're like kind of like anxious about the whole process I would say just to, I would re- want to reassure them that it's all right to be a little bit nervous and anxious about the process, but that the most important thing that I found in, in my career and my journey to, to playing at this level was just learning to control what I can control. I say that all the time, but it's really true. It's like you can look over and see how many goals so-and-so is letting in or uh, how many hours this person's been on the ice. But like you said earlier, um, it's just, it's such a different process from everyone and it's not going to be a direct path or maybe it will be a direct path at first but then all of a sudden this person's not doing too hot anymore it's just I can't stress enough how you can't worry about other people and you just kind of have to keep your eyes set and your goal and hold that close to you but um, just every day putting your best foot forward and trying to be the best player in person that you can be and it usually ends up working out for those players um, just focusing on yourself because any energy that you're that you're putting towards other people is just wasted yeah I think that's like a hundred percent like sound advice and it's something that every single top athlete says right like the best of the best always say like you don't worry about anything else just do what you can do on any given day and and that's that's all you're trying to worry about and then next day come back to work and show up again and show up again and show up again and everything else like will take care of itself right like i think that's what's going to happen for you in the next 13 months or so on the next period of time but um but yeah thanks uh aaron for joining us and uh yeah where can people find you on social <laughs> thanks for having me um they can find my Instagram.